This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic. <laughs> I am not Tyler Burns. This is Jamar Tisby. I am literally sitting in Tyler Burns' seat, though, and we have a wonderful, fantastic, scintillating, interesting wow. guest joining us today. <laughs> Ms. Bria, what's up with you? Hello. Scintillating. That was a Absolutely. word. Absolutely. I haven't heard that. I just anything. know I can feel in my spirit. That's the... <laughs> word that's going to come out after this conversation in people's minds. <laughs> okay. Well, here we are. Not too much not too much pressure here. No pressure at all. Just be your scintillating <laughs> self. Um, I for, am happy to be here. For those of you who don't, for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with you, tell us about who you are, what your role is at The Witness and all that good stuff. Yes. So my name is Bria, as you heard Jamar say. Um, I am... I'm a black woman, <laughs> you know, we out here. Um, I do, I have the, I'm the content distributor for the witness BCC. All of the content that you see on our social platforms, that is me sending them. So if you see a grammar mistake, don't come after me. I'll probably fix it in like the next 10 minutes. So see, don't, don't, don't even assume that. <laughs> what you take credit. Okay. For all the dopeness you put out there. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll take it. Yes. So that is the hard work I do for The Witness. I have written a couple of things that you might have seen on our blog. Um, one called The Past is Precedence. Uh, one talking about, uh, oh, to so the pastors of the TikTok generation. Yes, that was a great article. Thank you. Uh, and then one more. Oh, and then I wrote a sort of a eulogy to some of our big heroes, Chadwick Boseman, uh, Cic uh, Cicely Tyson, mm. Toni Morrison, mm. uh, and Kobe Bryant. Um, talks about all of them yeah. in that in that article. So yeah, I'm a writer, a, a budding aspiring writer. I talk a lot. I think we all talk a lot. I think that's why we're here. <laughs> why we have microphones? In yep. Front of us. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we probably all. Or those people in school who got the <laughs> in the comments <laughs> on the report cards. She's great, but she just talks too much. That's, that's <laughs> and, interesting. I know that's probably true of you because you said it. Yep. I definitely know it's probably true of Tyler. I was the quiet one. Just, really? I was, never spoke. I don't believe yeah, that at all. Never spoke. Not in, not in school. Um, <laughs> so we're here talking about one of the things that, that sort of um, gets us, I think, both excited in terms of imagining possibilities. And I've heard it under different labels, um, rethinking church, reimagining religion, re-something, because the notion is that whatever we're doing now, as far as community, mm. is not working, or at least it needs to shift and change. Have you sensed that conversation coming up more in your circles? Oh, absolutely. Um, I've I've seen people, and, and I kind of agree with the sentiment of after we're still in a pandemic, we're not in a post pandemic world, but I think when we were in the thick of the pandemic, we had this opportunity to really reimagine and rethink this whole church thing and how we're going to structure, uh, 
gathering the people of God, the body of Christ and living out our faith together in community and um, in a lot of different areas people chose to just adapt for a little bit, adapt to the whole Zoom thing, adapt to the whole uh, having to gather in our homes individually for a little bit, and then we go back to the same old thing. And so I think I sense a frustration of we had this opportunity. We haven't really seized on that opportunity to restructure and re rethink what it means to gather as people of God mm-hmm. and um, live out the calling to not forsake the gathering of the saints um, and and that sort of thing. So. It's almost like, like when I was growing up, we had a basement and everything depended on the sump pump so that if there was a big rain and the sump pump was working great because it was, it would pump water out from the basement area. Mm-hmm. But if that sump pump broke, it would flood. And every time it flooded, not only would you have to drain the water, you would have to take everything out. Mm-hmm. And in the process of taking everything out, you were more circumspect about what you added back in. You know, you asked yourself, do you really, do we really need this? Or can we toss this? Does it need to be in this place, et cetera? It feels like that's what's happening with church and community, mm. right? Like the pandemic yeah. was this flood. I would even say our political environment was this flood. Mm-hmm. And it forced us to sort of take everything out as we dealt with the flood. And now the waters are receding a little bit. Like you said, we're still in a pandemonium. But now that the waters are receding a little bit, we're saying, okay, what really fits here? What really goes back here? Right. Um, and so we're talking about essentially, I think, reimagining community would you feel comfortable sharing did did you experience that flooding at all in your sort of church community what did that look like ish uh i so when i was still a part of an actual church because i'm actually kind of in the you know how people are like i'm in between jobs right now i'm like i'm in between, <laughs> I'm between churches between right church, now right. <laughs> you know um i'm working on some things you know but you know, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so I what I saw and observed and experienced behind the scenes because my parents are in ministry. Mm. Um, my entire family is in ministry. I come from an entire line of pastors and elders and musicians of church and all of that good stuff. Uh, and I I saw that there was a there was a really tight hold to just kind of tweak some things so that people felt safe um, while people were feeling unsafe to be um, in a building. And while it was unsafe, not even just the feeling, it was unsafe, yeah, yeah. like public health wise was unsafe to be, um, you know, in the building together. Well, you know, tweak, some, tweak these things, shift these things. But, you know, we're still pretty much going on business as usual. Mm-hmm. We're just, you know, doing things a little bit more digital than we usually do. And then eventually it was like, okay, everybody's gathering, you know, we're gathering back in the sanctuary, but the order of the service is still the same. Yeah. The, yeah. um, the ministry events and all of that thing, all of those things are still the same. And it's basically like 2019 or 2020, I guess, through, you know, 2022 has never happened. Wow. We're kind of back yeah. into, yeah. and I think that recognizing that and observing that is, Part of why I kind of started stepping away uh. and trying to reimagine for myself. I'm like, if this, if this community doesn't, community doesn't want to reimagine, 
that's fine, but I think I need something different. Mm. I need a transformation um, and a shift. And that's when I started recognizing that other people were having those conversations. Yes, yes. Um, and so it's, it was a very uncomfortable kind of molding, uh, I think, yeah, just an uncomfortable like I'm thinking of I'm thinking about these things and wanting to see these things happen, but it feels like no one else in my immediate right. circle and community is. Right. Um and so I'm taking a step back and feeling a little alone in sure. uh how I think about faith community and want to think about and experience faith community um in ways that nobody around me seems to want mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. the same are having those same feelings. Um, so and then it's yeah. almost like losing as difficult as, as, and as disruptive as the past couple of years have been to business as usual. There's also an opportunity to change in healthy ways. Right. That in your circles or experience, people aren't always recognizing. Right. For me, it was disruptive in the sense of it was revelatory. Mm. It exposed mm-hmm. what people deeply felt and believed mm-hmm. that maybe I could have guessed before, but it actually came out in the open. And I'm talking particularly around um, political beliefs, around uh, ideas of human dignity. Right. Those kinds of things that say, yes. this community isn't what I thought it was. Yes. Or... I've realized in the past few years that I believe a little bit differently and I no longer fit here or I've been pushed out because of what I believe. I've gotten so many messages from people who said, I tried to talk to my pastor or our elders or our church leaders about this particular, you know, human dignity issues issue and I got shut down and I don't know what to do. Yeah. All of that stuff going on. And, and for whatever reason, whether we're, we're, we're not taking the opportunity for healthy growth and change, whether we've realized in a new way what our faith community actually represents and we don't want to be part of that, we seem to be on a same, on the same journey of, okay, what's next? What does community look like now? Mm. So as we think about that, well, let's talk about that when we come back from the break. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Tyler. This is Dr. Jamar Tisby. And we are excited that you're listening to this episode of Pastor Mike, but let me encourage you to support us. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Pastor Mike. And for just $1 an episode, just a dollar? now that's the bare minimum, that's four quarters. But if you want to go higher, okay, 5, 10, higher. 15, right. 20, 25, whatever it is, that will keep this show going and keep the high quality that hopefully you enjoy. So thank you for listening, but you can take it to the next level. Patreon.com slash Pass the mic. We appreciate you. We're talking about like reimagining community. So, so we've talked a little bit about you know what has disrupted community as we know it. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about oh, you you talked about Octavia Butler. Yes. So tell us about 
that in terms of okay. community. People are like, what? <laughs> it's good. It's good. Yeah. So uh, for those who don't know me, which I'm guessing most of you guys don't know me personally, <laughs> who are listening, I am a huge Afrofuturism fan. And it started with Octavia Butler mm. um, and with her Parables series, Parable of the Sower and then Parable of the Talents. Pause. What is Afrofuturism for those of yeah, so it is a sub it's a subgenre sort of within science fiction and the futurism uh speculative fiction uh genre, but really the primary message and the primary stories that are being told within Afrofuturism is the simple fact that black people are in the future. Huh. And <laughs> you, imagine you know, that. imagine that. <laughs> like, yeah, we're in the future and we're creating um technologies and ways of being modes of being um, that are central to our culture and the ways that we uh, imagine community and the ways that that we imagine uh, progress in ways that matter to us. Mm -hmm. And we should be central in the story. And so really the, the, the history of it, the history of Afrofuturism kind of tells you that in the, science fiction world so you've got the and the and the fantasy so you've got the star wars and the star treks and the um you know the game of thrones and all of those and those different things and it's like black people aren't a part of it here and not only are they excluded from their story stories they are intentionally negatively portrayed wow. in the stories wow. they're tropes that are negatively portrayed the the um non-human features and elements of those stories that are supposed to represent you know, marginalized mm. communities. Mm. Um, and they're the villains. They're the ones being attacked. They're, you know, those things. And so black wow. people, black writers stepped in and said, um, hey, no, we're going to assert some dignity in, in this. That's genre. deep. That's yeah. deep. And, and this all relates to reimagining <laughs> communities. This yeah. is so interesting. So, so what did Octavia Butler's writing in Afrofuturism sort of get you started thinking in terms of community? Yeah, so in Parable of the Sower, well, in the series in general, um, if you're not familiar, there is a, the main character's name is Laura uh, Olamina. Laura or Lauren? I think it's Laura Olamina. And she is a teenager at the time. She's maybe 15 or 16. Um, and she's grown up in this black Baptist, you know, background. Her dad is a Baptist preacher. Um, he's very very theologically conservative, but also in the backdrop is like this, this, uh, kind of apocalyptic future of just everything breaking down. They're living within these really close walls because, ab because over the wall, there are people who, who just like want to come in and destroy the community, mm -hmm. just like regular people, not even politicians. Um, but you know, just regular people who want to steal the resources of the community. And so they have to live in these really safe and secure walls. Um, but then you also have the poli the political uh, issues of, and this is, I think this is why the book became so popular within, with uh, 2020, well, really starting in 2016, but in 2020 as well, there is a presidential candidate named Andrew, I can't remember his last name, but he's running, he's running on the message, the slogan of Make America Great Again. Mm Seriously? Yes. And then uh, she wrote this in 1999. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So this is why people have been calling Octavia Butler a prophet, prophetess, because a lot of the things that happened in the book happened literally in real life in like 2016 to 2020 mm -hmm. and during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. There is kind of a pandemic sort of backdrop in the in the book and everything. 
So all of that is happening. And the main character has decided she wants to start her own religion. Um, she's like, there's, she's breaking with the values of the Black Baptist tradition um, and saying, I don't believe that anymore. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. And it's not the way that I have experienced it and the way that my dad is preaching it um, is not really relevant to this moment and um, what people are going through. And so she just starts writing out these kind of philosophical verses. Um, they, they're they not really called verses in the book, but they are similar in, in style to like Bible verses. Like a holy book. Kind yeah, of a thing, holy yeah. book kind of thing. She starts writing out verses and then she just starts uh, – sharing them with people in her community. Um, and they, it starts resonating with them. And they're like, I want to hear more. I want to know more. All of this is happening and it's grown into a religious movement um, over time. At the same time, her brother has also broken with the Black Baptist tradition and gone to evangelicalism. What? Yeah. <laughs> you really need to read this Art book. Art imitates <laughs> life. So yeah. were those like religious gatherings different than yes. the Baptist? Yes. So or? there is this really rich description of what Earthseed community, community gatherings look like. Um, and it, this is Lauren talking. She's, she's the narrator. And she says, uh, we don't gather like, you know, regular church members do at a church on Sundays. Um, what we do is take a, each community member, the one who is talking for that week, takes a topic that they want to talk about and they spend 15, 20, 30 minutes giving a talk, giving a speech. Could be like a sermon, but they're less talking at you and more. Although I, I wouldn't say sermons really talk at you, but I, that's how she was yeah. feeling, um, you know, within the Baptist tradition that she grew up in. Uh, she says, we're not talking at you. We're having a discussion. We're having a conversation where people can ask questions. Um, they can debate with, maybe not debate, but they can disagree with you mm -hmm. uh, out loud mm -hmm. um, if they want. And so you can like, disagree Come back. let us reason together. Yes, that yeah. sort of thing. Um, and yeah, so they have that gathering and that discussion. And then directly after they bring community community issues to the center to the table um, and say, hey, this person needs this. What kind of resources do we have? <laughs> so there's have? like a social justice component. Yes, okay. <laughs> pretty much. It's in a, on a small community scale, of course, because they're living in an apocalyptic kind of thing where if you need groceries, you're going to have to walk to the next city over to go and get groceries. Um and so they're like, hey, this person needs medical supplies because they're having really bad, you know, issues or whatever. And so they'll come together as a community and say, who yeah. do we know that can bring those resources or who do we know that's a healer? Who do yeah. we know who has medical expertise or medical knowledge? Um, or they'll talk about the things that they need as a community um, because – of course, if you're living in an apocalypse, you're going to need uh, survival things. Um, and so they hash out. It's like a working group meeting of like, okay, what what needs do we have? What resources do we have to solve these issues? Mm. Um, and mm. then, all right, let's break and give these people the tasks. And then that's what that's going to be our job for the rest of the week is yeah. taking care of the community's needs. Um, and then throughout the week, people would like from the – conversation the discussion that they would have at these gatherings people throughout the week would just like have discussions about them while they're going could just continue yeah the conversation yeah continue the conversation so huh. it doesn't start you know, or it doesn't stop at you know those gatherings yeah and that was basically how they did life community together so we were talking earlier about like you know there were there were these uh you know in the in the terms of a social 
context, there was a, th- this flood in the basement of our church or communal life. So we had to take all this stuff out. And what you're laying out is um, an Afrofuturistic vision of community. Mm-hmm. I think what we, what, what did you take out? <laughs> if, if, that, if that basement flooded, you took out and, and, and you decided not to put some things back. Right. What do you think, what were those things? Are you saying with like in this vision that Octavia Butler is painting? For painting you. In, okay, for me? Yeah, for you. I think that I don't even know if it's take out as much as reconfigure mm. um, just what it looks like and what it means to, I guess, in rightly dividing the word of truth, you know, you have these issues where um, the person, who, whoever it is, the pastor or the, the, the visiting pastor or whoever um, is talking. It, sometimes I guess people feel like sometimes the rightly dividing the word of truth isn't happening. The pastor is is giving their opinion of culture mm. and maybe trying to apply scripture to that, if even that. And it's like sermons aren't talking about the Bible. They're talking about what's happening in culture. And it's like, okay, we need to condemn this thing that's happening. Wow. And it's like, okay, where does the Bible come into this? Where does the exe- – you can talk about the exegesis and you can talk about the hermeneutics and, and all of the hermeneutics. I didn't say that word right, but yes, all of that. And it's like when you're thinking about what – even like if you're thinking about what Octavia Butler, the vision that Octavia Butler paints with the Earthy community, it's like um, it's like you can have a discussion about that. And so you're not um, – it's it's not – church is not all about what the pastor thinks and mm. what – It sounds to me like 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 the, like the, the soapbox sermon – Kind of a thing. Yes. You know, whatever hobby horse the pastor is on, Mm -hmm. that becomes the topic. They slap a little Bible on Mm -hmm. it, um, but it's not really arising, it feels like, from the text or something. Right. Yeah. Um, And so I feel that there needs – it feels like it needs to be a shift of what does it mean to have a Bible-based Christocentric faith – where, you know, we want to trust the wisdom and the expertise of people who have theological education mm-hmm. or, um, you know, have all of that knowledge, but also, hey, like we can, we can talk about this and we yeah. can discuss this yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. It, yeah. It sounds to me like part of what you want to see reconfigured in the church is sort of an approach to teaching, learning, and discipleship. Yes. That's there not you know. so didactic you know the preacher talking Top at down, you yes, yes toss down sort yes, of a priesthood like you don't of all have, believers you don't have any knowledge i have to give you all right 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 um and you can't disagree with me because yeah. you don't have you don't have the knowledge that i have right um you don't have the you don't have the phds and the you know all of that good stuff <laughs> it's actually less pastor centric and more communal in, in its orientation right that's good i think part of one of the things that i either left out or like you said, rearranged is what is actually essential to doing church. Mm. I had, I, I was deeply frustrated during the pandemic when I went to a small rural church. Um, we had a dedicated church building, but we didn't have any full-time staff. We didn't have an AV team. We didn't have up-to-date <laughs> equipment mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at some of like the plugs. I'm like, they don't even make that cord anymore. So it's like, <laughs> that's what we were working with. And then we had to not meet in person and pivot to, you know, online services. And 
I'll just admit, it was so frustrating to me to see more well-resourced churches just be able to do that on a dime, you know, because they had the team, they had the money, they had the equipment, and I'm not hating on them for having it, but it highlighted to me what is truly essential to the church, because to me, if every church can't do it, it's not essential to being the church. Exactly. Right? And, 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 And so it... It, it gets a lot simpler in that sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm still trying to figure out, like, again, it's not bad to have those things. And it maybe it's, it's more of an orientation to those things mm-hmm. um, that, 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 that needs to shift and change. But to me, church just got a whole lot simpler when it was really about fellowship and community, about teaching and learning the word of God and about supporting each other through tangible acts yes. of love, right? Yes. Um, but yeah, and still, I, I, I don't know really what that looks like in an organized way. Yeah. I think we're still figuring that out. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I think I think you also bring up a an important... I think about one of the things that I think needs to be not even just reconfigured or reimagined, but purged mm. is the very rampant ableism and classism wow. that you find within. And I think that when you're talking about the really technologically savvy um, churches and the, um, yeah, just the the really well-resourced uh, places and, and houses of worship, I'll say this. I think uh, that I have visited places one of the first things i think about when it comes to visiting churches and visiting you know community faith community spaces is are the most marginalized among us would they feel welcomed and 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 appreciated here and i have gone to some places where i'm like if a homeless person came off the street and was looking for you know a word was looking for a gathering of community and they find um you know they just find all of this, the materialism, they find that in Just like, um, in I can't afford to be here. Right. <laughs> like, I can't, exactly. I can't afford right. to be here. They would, you know, they might feel uncomfortable coming here, coming mm-hmm. here and walk right out of the door. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what, what does it mean that we are in a place where the people who Jesus did most of his ministry and most of his work with and was himself, um, that like identified with himself, he identified with the most marginalized of society. What does it mean that those are the people who feel the most unwelcomed in our wow. houses of worship? Um, and, and then there's the ableism of, I always cringe on during New Year's, New Year's Eve services, watch night services or whatever. And whoever the person is, whether it's the pastor, or whoever is speaking and he'll say, I could have lost, we could have lost our minds this year, but, but God, you know, mm. we could have been in the loony house this year, but God, mm. he brought us through. And it's like, but what if my story is I did lose my mind? Mm. Is, is God still, wow. you know? What if I am in a mental institution? Does, wow. does God is there? Is God still on my side there? Is He still good in that situation? Yeah. Do I still have a testimony worth sharing? Um, if you know my story is, you know, I did lose my mind. I did lose limbs. I I don't have the activity of my limbs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Wow. You know these uh, sort of throwaway phrases yeah. that, that we hear constantly in church, but yeah. that communicate well. If you're not physically or mentally 
capable or able as other people are, right. then that's a sign of, that, that God hasn't blessed you. Right. God does not have his hand on your uh. life. Um, and it's, it's our language, but it's also, I think, the orientation of how we worship. And I guess this is also sort of a language thing, but people will say like, you know, I can understand if God ain't done nothing for you, but... You know, you can sit down in your seat if God ain't done nothing for you. But as for me, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to give God the praise and all these different things. And it's like, I, I get where you're coming from. But it's like, you know, maybe I um have had, maybe I it, it took a lot for me to get into the building today. And I need God to meet me in the pew while I'm sitting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe I maybe I don't have the strength to stand. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't, maybe I don't have the physical ability to stand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. And God can still meet me, you know, sitting here in, in this place. Um, and my life and my body can still be a demonstration and a testimony of God's faithfulness. Yeah. Um, and it does show, like outside of the language, I think it does show in the operations of the church that, uh, of, tr- of certain churches that, um, the most marginalized, where you, where you're talking about the, the, dis, um, People with disabilities, you're talking about um, people in, you know, low socioeconomic classes. And and I think I should preface this by saying that I'm talking specifically about black church traditions. Mm. Um, I think this is the case, you know, in, you know, everywhere. But I think that they're, yeah, they're, we've got to really rethink how we are caring for people who are not able-bodied, for people who... Don't have the same socioeconomic resources as others. Like, what does it mean to really have a diversity of ability and of, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, 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 one of the things that always struck me sort of along the classism lines was those deemed worthy of leadership who would be ordained as deacons or elders almost universally had sort of professional class, class jobs college or postgraduate education. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't those who were financially poorer or less formally educated who we typically look at as leaders right. in the church. That always struck me. Like, is there no wisdom if I don't have a bachelor's degree, you right. know, um, or if I don't have a job that pays six figures or more? So that was one manifestation I think as well, what you're saying leads me to think a lot more about not people coming to the church, but the church going out to people. Mm. And again, I'm not entirely sure what that looks like, but I wonder if it should even be the case that the houseless person should have to come into the church, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Rather than us seeking them out. And, and and grabbing them and saying, you are made in the image of God. How can we love and support you well? Um, and I'm not saying that's absent, but as we reimagine these things, can we actually do that with more intentionality? I also think there's a certain redistribution of resources that should be happening. Absolutely. Just within the household of God, right? Like mm-hmm. we don't even have to start talking about reparations writ large, but in the household of faith, we know that certain churches are struggling financially and resource-wise. And there is sharing, like, you know, uh, churches will open up their buildings for other churches to come worship. More of that, you know, not, not just that, 
But more, why should pastors in the least well-resourced places be the ones who are bivocational? Mm. Aren't those the places that require more time, more effort, more ability to focus, Right. right? And if we know that as different congregations, and I think that's what we're talking about mm-hmm. when we say church, we're mainly talking about congregations and not like capital C church. Right. Um, not the body of Christ. Right. Right. Yes. And obviously that goes globally, mm-hmm. but it certainly goes down the street too. Yeah. And and now you're talking about, I mean, you in a word now, because now you're talking about the Acts 4 community. It was right. like they had all things in common. Right. They sold all their possessions and had all things in common. Um. So yeah, I think there's, there's a need to, yeah, what you're, what you're saying is, is necessary. And, um, yeah. You know what I'm calling this? What came to mind for me? Afrotheofuturism. <laughs> that is a mouthful. <laughs> Afrotheofuturism. Afrotheofuturism. Okay. <laughs> the gospel according to we Octavia Butler. Imagining <laughs> a, a theology and ecclesiology from, a black perspective, mm-hmm. but in a future of possibility and abundance, right? Afrotheofuturism yes. for what we need to sort of reimagine what community looks like. Um, you said you're in between churches. What is what is community right now for you look like? Oh, that's a complicated question. <laughs> <laughs> Very sensitive too, yes. Yeah, I think right now it just looks like Connecting with people where I can connect. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. For a while, I was still doing a, um, and we, we really should get back to this, um, doing a Bible study with uh, my former roommates. We were meeting on Zoom every week. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, just finding different ways to, to plug in and connect to my fellow siblings in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Still figuring it out. Still figuring it out. And... And I think that what's so amazing is that even while I'm figuring it out and even while it's uncomfortable to not have that security, what feels like ne- is necessary security of being connected to an actual um, church in the traditional sense, I've still been able to feel Jesus, you know, wow. meet me in this. Yeah. I mean, y- y'all have talked about the the spiritual wilderness and this in the spiritual wilderness of um not feeling like I'm being punished, but feeling like, you know, Jesus wow. is using this time to mold and shape and expand my imagination for how he can uh meet me <sighs> and great meet us yes. um as the body of Christ. And I think that's a pastoral word. I think for those who feel like and including me, feeling like we're in this spiritual wilderness, this in between place from whatever metaphorical Egypt that we were into the promised land, that it is an opportunity. I mean, God always uses the wilderness to shape and prepare people. Yes. I mean, you think about Moses, John the Baptist, Jesus, right? Those were all times of shaping and preparation and sort of what I'm getting from what you're saying is, yeah, it's hard, but it's also an opportunity to be open to the abundance of God and what God might be doing in this stage of the church, particularly in the United States, um, and how we might be shaping us differently, molding us more into the image of Christ and preparing us for whatever's to come. So to me, I don't know, this 
this season feels less about coming up with the right answers and more about asking the right questions. Yes. What is essential? What does it mean not just to do church, but to be church? Not just where are we going, but who are we going with? You Mm, know, mm -hmm. who's in our community? Those kinds of things. So (laughs) I don't, um, I don't know if listeners were expecting the solutions. <laughs> here. I hope not, because we just <laughs> let's just imagine together. Yes, let's let, dream together. Let's Afrotheofuturism together. Yes. <laughs> and I'll say this last thing too. Um, I think, uh, and then yeah, uh, I think I have also had some conversations in the secular justice space. I mm. guess is what we can call it. Sure. Um, because you know I'm. It, in communities of organizers and activists and things like that. And there is a really, there is a very real feeling among a lot of people and a lot of different organizations across the U S that in the justice space, there is a spiritual deficit and not even just in, um, as far as religious convictions and spiritual convictions, but just like, how do you do such soul crushing work and still have hope and joy and love and how do you get people to join a movement that we really believe in whether it's redistributing wealth whether it's um trying to end police violence and brutality and and brutality and trying to end exploitate just systems of domination and exploitation and oppression of all kinds can be soul crushing work i mean just two weeks ago um in the organization that i'm a part of refund raleigh uh if y'all ever want to shout out Shout out to Refund Raleigh, uh, the dopest people in the city. Um, <laughs> we were just having, we were just trying to get people to fill out surveys of like, okay, what do you feel like the city needs? What do we need? What is, what do we want city council to focus on in the budget? And it was like, what, what are these community, what community services do you really care about? And so we have a survey where people can fill out, um, what their priorities are. And we ran across some, some houseless people and, uh, we were just talking about how, of course, how neglected and, yeah, just neglected they were feeling. And it was a really a, a soul-crushing conversation to have with, with wow. people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, after, like in deep debrief sessions, we're like, okay, how do you keep hope in things like that? How That's do you right. feel like the strength to feel like the work you're doing is important and it's going to make an impact and, and a difference. And that the, the things that we're doing are, we're actually going to win um, mm. and, and taking care of people mm. and trying to end um, these things that we think are wrong, that we believe are wrong, that our values and our convictions tell us are wrong. Um, and so I say all that to say um, that there is a real need to recover that sense of within the church space of, integrate fully integrating the spirit and the material of you know taking care of people's spirits and taking care of people's souls but also caring about their material reality and trying to transform that that we really need to pursue mind body spirit mind body spirit holistic simple yeah yeah bria y'all Love listening to you and learning from you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Pass the Mic. Let's do it again. Thank you for having me. Yeah.
This episode was brought to you in part by the Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.